Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch, and welcome to Ovicast, the Chagas Sheep Podcast. Each episode, we'll bring you the latest insights, advice, and technical updates for the sheep industry. In this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Tim Keady, who's going to discuss silage quality, how we can influence it, what effect it has on animal performance. Okay, I'm joined now by Dr. Tim Keady. Tim's going to talk to us about silage production. Tim, you're very welcome. Thank you, Karen. Tim, I suppose look, we're in May now, it's silage season. What are the key considerations for quality silage? The key consideration in producing high quality silage is digestibility. And like, right, I suppose let's maybe clarify what do you consider quality silage and where are we nationally? I think where you're trying to get or expecting high levels of performance from grass silage next winter, you need to be targeting a high feed value grass silage, which is a silage with 75% or greater dry matter DMD. Um, the reason I say that is that in a sheep system where the sheep will be housed during mid and late pregnancy, our data shows that each five unit increase in silage digestibility, the ewe will be six kilos heavier at the point of lambing, and the lamb will also be 0.25 kilos heavier at birth. And while that 0.25 may sound a low figure, our data shows that at weaning, that lamb will be nearly one kilo heavier relative to its mate, that relative to its comrade that was born from a yard that got a lower feed value grass silage. So Tim, maybe we just put that in context. You consider 75 DMD high quality. On average, where are we nationally? Nationally, the DMD of the average national silage is only 69% DMD. And you hear many producers will tell you they've produced an excellent quality silage with 70% DMD, where in reality they're just at the average. So, like, obviously out there, there's scope to improve quality. I suppose, how do we approach that now? What are the key things we need to do to lift that from 70 to 75 DMD? This is the t- right time of the year to be asking that kind of a question, Kieran. Um, digestibility is the major factor that affects digestibility is the date of harvest. So we're in the first week of May, and we can control uh, our digestibility by deciding on the optimum date of harvest. You may ask what effect harvest date has on digestibility. Our evidence shows that each week you delay harvest, it reduces digestibility by about three and a half percentage units. And if you're a, a, a dairy farmer, and a lot of dairy farmers make good quality silage, that each week to delay harvest, they have to feed an additional 1.6 kilos of ration next winter per cow per day just to maintain performance. In, in With pregnant ewes, our data would show that each week you delay harvest, that yo will require approximately 7 or 8 kilos of additional feed uh, per week delay in harvest during her, her late pregnancy just to maintain lamb birth weight, even though she may suffer herself in terms of body condition score and body weight. So heading out date, things like that are very important. Are there any other considerations like lodging or that that affect quality? Yeah, well, uh, the old rule of thumb was that uh, the optimum stage to harvest ha- uh, grass for silage was at 50% of your emergence. I don't believe that anymore because the heading date will vary depend on the heading date of the whether they're early, late, or, mature, or late heading varieties. Uh, so the, when you're inve- when you're examining the sward and deciding when to harvest or not, not alone do you look at heading date, but you look at what's going on at the butt of the sward, because often in late heading varieties you will have no evidence of seed head emergence, but you could have evidence of some decayed material or dead leaf at the bottom, which also has a negative impact on digestibility. The evidence clearly shows that if you're talking about different sport, uh, different varieties of grass, that whilst there may be a difference of, we'll say, three weeks in terms of heading out date, if you want to maintain digestibility and animal performance from the later heading swords, they would have to be harvested about eight or nine days later. So just me, I'll tease down a little bit with you more. 
We say you mentioned about quality at the boat and that sort. How is managed before you close it up for silage obviously has an impact. So whether that's overwintered or grazed, have you any comments on the difference well, that would have? A lot of it depends on whether what, what your stocking rate is. You may be only closing in the springtime after grazing, or you may have it closed, we'll say, late December. Uh, the important thing is that you graze down to about less than four centimetres so that you remove any dead leaf material and, and dead and dead and dead bud so that that's not coming in which will have a negative effect on digestibility. Okay. I think as well when we talk about sward types, uh, Kieran, it's important to remember that whilst a lot of people are and us included would be recommending receding and perennial ryegrass swards that if all permanent pastures are managed correctly and harvested at the right stage of maturity, they are very capable of producing high feed value grass silage. You mentioned there a few minutes ago about lodging. Lodging is a major factor that affects digestibility and some evidence would show that in severely lodged situations uh, crops may lose digestibility by 6 or 7% of units per week delay in harvest whereas they're standing the rate of decline would be only 3.5% of units. It's the same like the other thing we see is become more popular in recent years, more versions of wolflers and tethers in the country. What effect does Wilton have on silage quality or fermentation or production? How much benefit basically are we getting from it? Well, Wilton has become very common uh, in recent years, as yourself, as you said, because of the different types of machines that are available and for the movement towards large contractors, they can with rakes and tethers, they can bring a lot more grass at the same time. Wilting has a number of advantages and possibly some disadvantages and from an advantage point of view uh, it reduces the amount of effluent, it reduces the amount of weight of material of the herbage that has to be taken to the silage pit or reduces the number of bales per acre. If you're in a straw bedded situation for sheep housing it reduces the amount of straw that's required because it's a drier material. Um, probably one of the disadvantages is that it increases forage intake and when you look at the literature the evidence would indicate using exceptionally good managed systems that you may get a small improvement in animal performance for a bigger, for a lot higher level of an increase in intake so efficiency of utilisation is decreased. I suppose the other consideration that will come up in sheep is that some are still on straw bed environments versus slathead. Does it have benefits there? In a straw bedded environment, of course, it has benefits because if the yews are producing a drier manure, then uh, less straw is required. Uh, I think it's important as well, if you're considering wilting, that, that you actually uh, proactively uh, try to wilt your grass. And by that I mean the two major facts that affects the two major factors that affect the rate of wilting is solar radiation or sunshine and also how well you spread out the material. It's important that you spread it out within two or three hours after it's been mowed. A number of producers will leave it lying in a single swart and maybe tether it out 12 to 24 hours later and the somata have closed and the rate of drying decreases and it takes a longer period. The data clearly indicates, Kieran, that in terms of wilting, that if you leave the herbage down more than 20 to 24 hours, dry matter digestibility declines and you'd often see in situations where there may be a small bit of mist or some moisture in the air where you leave it down for two or three days, you can lose five or six units in digestibility. So the key thing there is you're going to wilt, look for a rapid wilt? Or as a rapid wilt, leave it 24, maximum 36 hours on the ground. If you're putting it into a silage pit, I would say there's no point in going above 25% dry matter. And I simply say that because most of the effluent is gone at that stage. It's still damp enough in that it's easier to manage the pit, the face of the pit during the feeding out period. Whereas if it's too dry, there's indications of aerobic stability or it's heating next winter. So just when you mention pit, we might we'll go on about type of silage in it. You've done work previously looking at chocolate and I suppose in cheap systems the majority of silage is bale silage. Now, 
is there any big difference in chop length or pit versus bale silage for a production point of view? From a production point of view for sheep, it's, ide- it's ideally to have it as short a chop length as possible because chop length actually fe- per- affects intake in sheep where it doesn't in beef or dairy cattle. But people must remember that if you put the same type of herbage into a big bale or into a silage pit, there'll be little or no difference in terms of animal performance except for a slight difference in intake in the sheep. Tim, we've seen like we've seen a switch to more bale silage. We've seen a switch to a cotton paddocks have gone too strong, and maybe we haven't got around in rotation. And it's a useful management tool. But the question we frequently get asked is: the nitrogen that's in that sward, when is it safe to cut it, or how much of an impact has it on fermentation? Oh, that's a good question. Preservation, really. That's a good question, Kieran. Um, in a grazing sward where it's gone too strong, some people worry excessively about what is the impact of nitrogen on fermentation. You must remember that if you can mow in dry weather, wilt it for about 24 hours, bring the dry matter content up to about 25%, what you've actually done is you've, con- you've concentrated the, con- the sugar content in the grass and you've made it a lot more easier to ensile. So in that kind of situation, I don't worry about nitrogen concentration in herbage. I suppose that kind of leads us into the next but. There's going to be a difference in silage quality in farms. There will be a bit of bulk need in certain cases. Any comments on how you should store them bales separately or kind of key aspects about wrapping bale silage? Well, I think for sheep, I think it's essential that you spend a bit more money on the wrapping or on the wrap. And I would seriously recommend that you use six layers of wrap rather than just four for feeding to sheep. If you don't get making silage in May, or certainly you don't get making enough in May or good enough quality, the game is not up necessarily. What is your approach to making high-quality silage later in the year and can it be done? Yes, it can be done, Kieran. And if the weather goes in your way, in other words, I mean that you don't get a drought which causes the head, the grass to head very quickly. And that, if you get rain, you get good growth conditions, you should be able to produce very high-quality silage at a sixth, at about a five- to seven-week regrowth interval where you have to compromise both on bulk and compromise both on digestibility. And in second and third cuts particularly, it is possible to obtain digestibilities of 75 to 77% DMD. I suppose maybe just another important consideration, Tim, is you actually identify that high-quality silage and don't use it up maybe early in pregnancy. Yeah, if you're only going to make some good quality silage, then I would have that stored in a separate place so that the the animals that deserve it most would get access to it. So if you've only got a sheep farm, you've been inclined to feed it towards the second half of mid-pregnancy and late pregnancy, whereas you've got a mixture of suckler cows and sheep, the suckler cows definitely won't get the high-quality silage and the pregnant joes get preference to it. Well, I might just finish with one final one, Tim. Um, look, it's been difficult the past couple of years producing silage whether it be too dry, too broke, or too wet at different times, broken weather will pose an issue, and there's a reluctance sometimes to cut if there's a bit of rain coming. How much of an issue has that on silage quality? It can have a big issue, Kieran. Um, and 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 some some producers will delay harvesting with the intention of getting good weather, with the hope of achieving the wilt. Whilst it may be okay to do that for two or three days, uh, sometimes broken weather can be prolonged and go on for two weeks. And if you take a scenario where you delay harvest by two weeks, you've dropped digestibility by 7% units. For a pregnant joy, you've increased the amount of concentrate required by 12 to 14 kilos per head in late pregnancy. And for a dairy cow, you've increased the amount of concentrate required by about 3 to 3.5 kilos per cow per day. So our advice is that often in broken weather, 
what broken weather may consist of is just one or two light showers per day. In that kind of a situation, the mower should mow the grass standing when it's dry and sit ahead of the harvester so that if it becomes very wet, the harvester can catch up with the mower and then silo it. Also, in that kind of a situation, if the mower, if the grass is being mowed dry, it would be advantageous to put it into 20 or 30 foot sorts so that even if it rains, the water is going onto the cut ground rather than onto the herbage per se. So you'd be far more worried about the quality of the grass and the delay and, of course, obviously ground conditions at the time of cutting. Yeah, that's a very good statement, Kieran. So we'll finish where we started. We started with digestibility is king and we'll finish that digestibility is king and your objective is to produce high digestibility grass silage and ideally, in if you've got everything going your way, you try and bring it for pit silage to 25% dry matter, for bales to 30% dry matter. But if you're to compromise either di- dry matter or digestibility, you compromise on the dry matter content per se. Okay, Tim, thank you very much. Plenty of focus on for the coming weeks. Thank you. That's it for this episode. I'd like to thank Dr. Tim Keeley for giving up his time to be with us and discussing the many factors involved in making high quality silage and why for him when it comes to silage production, digestibility is king. For further updates, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chagas Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch and thanks for joining us on this episode of Obicast. Don't forget to tune in to the next episode.